1: Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All America podcast. My name is Bill Troche, senior editor at sportingnews.com, alongside Bill Bender, lead college football writer at sportingnews.com. And Bill, we are one day after crowning a national champion. We are 36 weeks till week zero. How how was your trip to LA? Fill us in.
2: It was fun. Uh, the flights were long and delayed, and the travel part of it was tough. The weather was not great, but and quite frankly, the game was. The experience is all. I never take the experience for granted. Don't get me wrong, but the game was not good, <laughs> and uh, the ratings were, will show that, or they. I think they have shown that. Um, I mean, what else can you say? Georgia winning sixty-five to seven. That's that's one we've at least we haven't seen one like that before
1: yeah, I, I won our confidence contest. I think I had TCU plus 58, didn't I? If I, we, we got to go back and listen to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll push back on that a little bit in that, you know, the, the game was so boring and this and this and that. And a, a boring game is 27 to 6. okay. Last night, we saw greatness. We saw record setting performances. We saw something very memorable. We saw a team put its stamp on, on, on history, really, uh, establishing a dynasty, taking the torch, making a loud, as loud a statement as you can possibly make on the biggest stage that you can make. So while obviously it was over early, I do think there was something to watching such a great team play at such a high
0: level.
2: Oh, I mean, I I never – yeah, that's fine. Uh, that, That's true. Stetson Bennett was brilliant. Their defense was good. We saw it, but the rest of the country turned it off. <laughs> I mean, that's what happened. I mean, my buddies up here in Big Ten country, they had no incentive to watch that. None of them did. And, I mean, and and this is for you and DeCourcy and the people that love this idea of a Cinderella. This is what happens. This is what you wanted. You wanted Cinderella. Well – That's not how this sport works, and and it's just not conducive to – the thing that I struggle with is we try to compare it to basketball. It's not comparable. They're not the same thing. You can win – you can go to the Elite Eight with Steph Curry and and Davidson. TCU had a miracle run, but they ran into – and you you and I talk about it all the time. They ran into one of the three that – if you run into Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State, you better play a perfect game because you're going to run into more talent than you have by almost too much.
1: And it was far from a perfect game. TCU was right. overwhelmed right in the first quarter. In the, th- in the first half, I think they had six possessions, uh, five of them on offense. They were behind the sticks at some point, right. either because of a penalty or a, a you know, tackle for loss, sack, whatever was going on. Georgia was lined up, ready to go. And, you know, the one drive they actually didn't get behind the sticks was the drive. They scored a touchdown. They hit a long pass on a busted coverage. But I also give them credit for punching it in pretty efficiently once they got inside the red zone. Still looked like a little bit of a game. It was 10-7. Clearly, that was the highlight uh, for TCU. It Just defensively, you know, what did you see out of Georgia that made such a difference, uh, after that team had been kind of lit up by LSU and Ohio state two weeks in a row.
2: They pressured them. Uh, I, Miller's injury was definitely a factor. Uh, Sonny Dykes brought it up as like the first play of the game. They had a false start. He said they probably had three or four, four false starts all year. They were nervous. Um, Duggan didn't play particularly great against that pressure. I don't think they've seen that kind of speed and athleticism in the secondary. I talked to one of the guys that covers TCU. He said, you know, Texas bothered them too because of the athletes that they had in that game, and they freaked out a little bit, and that's what happened. I mean, and that combined with Georgia just being on point, I think on the other side of the ball, uh, Kirby talked about after that You know, they – it was funny. He Saturday he was talking about how the three three five is impossible to simulate. And it looks like triple option. And then after the game, his last question, he made it clear that oh, we had a scout team in a meeting and we wanted them to learn. They probably were talent wise. They probably did have more talent on their second team three three five than TCU, with exceptions of like guys in the secondary. So, I mean, that's just the relentless. They're they're relentless, man. They're they are. They are every bit as relentless as Alabama was at the peak of their dynasty. It's it's they're a nasty team when the, and we talk about home run swings, Bill. That there isn't a there's not a team that can do that to somebody else with that kind of home run swing in college football.
1: Right. I think it was Molly McGrath who reported during the game. You know, she overheard. I think it was the defensive coordinator for TCU talking to his players and and yelling at him and saying, "We've got eight misalignments already. You guys just are too." nervous out there. You're not, you know, finding your keys or whatever. And it was clear it was either Todd Monka was calling just an amazing game or TCU was lining up wrong or whatever, because Georgia had just several plays where there was no one within five yards for the first 10 yards down the field, or, or, you know, they had the bust on the McConkey touchdown. Bennett went in 21 yards, untouched Bennett's other, other touchdown. He had two lead blockers on that, from the six yard line who had no one to block. And he went in untouched again. So I think it was a little bit of both. Georgia played great. And I think TCU mentally and physically was just not there.
2: Yeah. And, you know, they they mentioned on a couple of those third downs, Bennett checked the run on the one. we You and I both thought at the time it was Munkin's play call. He actually, Bennett checked out of it and then ends up running a, kind of takes a reverse pivot, scrambles for a first down. He threw a the game was over when he threw that third down rope to Brock Bowers that set up a touchdown, and then he scored again on top of it. So, yeah, by halftime, I mean if we're being honest about it, a lot. This is a sports writer secret. By halftime, most of us were we we were good because we knew what we were going to write, and you were just tacking on color and those kind of things after. Um, Speaking of that throw to Bowers.
1: Mm -hmm. And I had this thought last night, and apparently Dan Wetzel as well. This is the second time we've had similar thoughts this season. His column was, and I had the the same thought, are we sure Stetson Bennett is not a pro?
2: I mean, he'll get a shot. He'll get a shot to prove it. It'll be a day two or day three pick. He's not a first-rounder. He he does a good job of being accurate in the 20-yard box, and his slippery way he can run a little bit is – I have no problem with him. I I think the the age thing got overplayed. It is what it is, guys. This is the rules. He played that long and had a covid year on top of it. There's those are the rules. And right. um he played awesome. He he threw the ball well. McConkie was awesome. Bowers was awesome. They didn't run the ball maybe as as well as I thought they might, but it was they I think they spread out TCU they worked over that three, three, five. It was funny. I was in the hotel lobby and I heard these Georgia fans and this older woman and an older husband. And she goes, I'm just, I don't, I'm not going to do the Georgia accent. <laughs> He's like, I'm just so sick and tired of hearing about this three, three, five. I don't think they know what's coming. And I wish I would have got her name. Cause I was like, it's <laughs> was like, maybe she knew something. I didn't, because it was, it was over quickly. And you know, here's the other reaction to it is this notion that Ohio state should That was the national championship game. Well, no, it wasn't. TCU earned their way in. So I'm not going to take away from what they did. Um, High State lost. Michigan lost. I mean, we're not – Alabama lost. Nobody else gets to argue that they should have been in that game, no matter what the score was. Right, right.
1: Back to Bennett real quick. I think guys who are short, they have to be quick and speedy, you know, quick feet and everything. Do you think Bennett has the speed? I think he might. Right? I just, you know, he escaped that blitz last night very well. Um, I think he's gonna test pretty good in the forty. Uh he's not overly big, uh, but has proven durable enough. I don't know how much he's gotten hit necessarily. But um the the shorter guys, they need the mobility. And the question is, does Bennett have enough to you know, be a spot starter here and there in the NFL?
2: I think he'll he'll like I said, get a chance. I mean he could be a version of Andy Dalton in the NFL. That's that's who his game would have to be like. And Andy Dalton was obviously a higher round pick that had a very has had a. I mean that that's that we that's that middle of the road weight class of starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. Dalton, those guys. That would be his ceiling. His floor would be he holds a clipboard for a couple years and ends up back at Georgia where he won't have to buy anything because he won two national titles <laughs> and that's fine too.
1: So. I tweeted this today, got a little bit of engagement on it. You know, the perception of Georgia is they are, you know, 2 miles ahead of anybody else in the college football right now. Two-time national champions and things like that. What if the results were flipped? What if they blew out TCU in the semifinal and everyone's like, "Well, we saw that coming, no problem. They're going to beat TCU." What if they beat Ohio State on a missed field goal on the last play of the game? for the national championship. What is their, what is their, what is our perception of Georgia at that point? Uh, it's different than it is
2: now. Maybe, I mean a little, but it would, my it wouldn't change mine much just because I, I, I sound like a broken record. I high States, the third wheel program there, they should be in those games beating, trying to beat Georgia. And it's a, uh, I would look at that a little differently from the standpoint, I would look at it as another Big Ten loss. Because as I was pointed out to me in my trip by an unknown source, that the SEC was uh SEC's ten and one in semifinals. Ten and one. They lost the first one, they've won the last ten. Right. And they've won six of nine championships in the playoff era. They Alabama and Georgia are the two kings of the mountain, and we can get more of that in a bit. But um, yeah, I guess when we look at Georgia differently, maybe, but I look at it as my overall takeaway is what they've been talking about. Everybody's been talking about is they lost 15 guys, the NFL, and they still won it all. So what in the hell do you think is going to happen next year? When all of these guys that are younger, They got to figure out quarterback, but it's look at their schedule. Here's the amazing stat to me. They lost to Florida. I don't have the exact date sometime November, 2020. Since that game, they've won 33 of 34. Games, and they will they will be. We can look ahead. They will probably be ten and zero when they go to Knoxville. Yeah, it's they're, they,
1: they canceled a non-conference game, or that, they didn't cancel it. Got canceled with Oklahoma, and right now their non-conference schedule is brutally easy. It's like UAB. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember the the three just underwhelming opponents, and then Georgia Tech who doesn't have their act together yet either, uh, right. and they don't play Alabama and they don't play LSU, it would be stunning if they're not 12-0. and 0. They are going to be potentially double-digit favorites every game. Tennessee may be the exception, maybe only a nine-point favorite at Tennessee. So yep. the, the goal and, and the worry and the concern and the focus of Kirby Smart is going to be what he talked about last night, the entitlement creeping in to the program. He saw it. He experienced it at Alabama. They won back to back at Alabama. So they overcame it. He's done back to back at Georgia. He's seen it. I asked him about it before the peach bowl. And he talked about how this year's team had so many new players and so many new roles that it didn't necessarily feel like they were just playing it back. Same guys, same roles. It was, it was the hunger was still there next year, a little bit different, got a lot of guys back. There's going to be a lot of guys in the same roles. We'll see if he has the mastery to, uh, to push the right buttons.
2: Yeah. And they can't play the underdog card anymore. Like they, they the whole, like nobody respects this. It's such a ridiculous thing. Like, and that's what I, I was the one that ended up asking him about the entitlement thing um, on the, in the press conference afterward. And, he did he said you know they they he used the saying about eating off the floor which is, <laughs> no five was second
1: good. rule at georgia
2: <laughs> he was very good in the press conference afterward though because it was a mix of like the humility of what it means to him to coach at georgia he had he was funny he told a couple stories you know he told the story about his son crying that stetson was gone and I mean, I, I you can see it like he's pretty buttoned up in press conferences, but you can tell. I mean, they're the the clip of his locker room speech is making the rounds. Which anybody asking him to apologize just needs to shut up. They like you. That means you've never been in a football locker room and had one of those. That's what they do before games. Um,
1: NSFW is what. That yeah, it's,
2: if you click on that one, you're gonna have a different oh yeah but it doesn't surprise me one bit like it does because he's a defensive coordinator and that's how a lot of those guys act so um you got to be exceptionally like just impressed with what they were able to do yesterday and you're right I mean despite the ratings and the blowout and it was an impressive display it's getting compared to 2019 LSU I don't really care to get too far into that because I think Yeah, I think LSU would win, but they're both just great teams, so who cares?
1: I do, too. I think that LSU team was just so amazing, and like I said, we're we're 11 days removed from them winning by one point and Mm -hmm. losing for 58 of the 60 minutes against Ohio State, and in that Peach Bowl, I didn't think Georgia said they didn't play well, but I thought they played well. I think they were just, you know echoing what they wanted what Kirby wanted them to say is that they got to get better for TCU they got to get better for TCU and um but I thought Ohio State played them play for play for four quarters obviously and uh you know maybe Georgia wasn't at their peak I think last night they were and it was phenomenal to watch but um you know I'll, I'll push back on the notion that uh that Georgia is miles and miles ahead of everybody. Now, you you wrote about um, I think it's publishing tomorrow or on uh, Wednesday. Probably when you're listening to this, it'll be on SportingNews.com. The Georgia-Alabama debate, or not necessarily debate, but the the um, you know Nick Saban was sitting there next to David Pollock at halftime when Georgia was on their way to to repeating, and and he mentioned that uh, Georgia was essentially on top of the college football world. It was no longer Alabama's world, and we were all living in it. It's definitely Georgia's world. Uh, Nick had an, sort of an innocuous uh, reaction, but under the collar, you know that uh, the the, the uh, heat was rising a little bit. Oh, for sure. Uh, the, the, the fire in his belly never seems to go out. Next year, is it going to be Georgia and Alabama from wire to wire?
2: Oh, I think those two, and like I said, Ohio State and the third wheel, I would push back and say those two are miles ahead of everybody else. They have more talent. They're when they play their A game, they are just better than and I know Alabama lost two games. I understand that. And LSU and Tennessee can compete, but I mean, I don't see anybody I they've got to both figure out quarterback, but that's the biggest storyline of the next season. Is would Kirby get a third one in a row? First team to do it since Minnesota in the thirties when they wore <laughs> I don't know. I, I think they were leather helmets then. Um it would be the third of the college football playoff era. If they catch Alabama in the playoff, there might be a rubber match, there might be another SEC championship game. and both teams have the schedules to do it. So I yeah I don't I don't I may like I said, three and a half pro there's three and a half programs to me that can win the national title three and a half. It's Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, maybe LSU. And I took Clemson off the list because I don't think they can anymore. So that's, it is what it is. It's, you can, you can appreciate it and understand that, or you can like, say, well, I, like, I don't think Michigan can win it maybe next year, maybe, but I don't even know if Jim Harbaugh is going to be there. So Georgia, Alabama will dominate the headlines. The the funny thing is they they've never got to that sec championship game with, with matching 12 and 0 records. I've, I've written that story several times and, you know, maybe next year they both like I said though, they're they're going to both have to figure out the quarterback position. That's pretty important.
1: And they're going to have to manage that entitlement thing that uh, Kirby talked about. Kirby's going to have to manage it next year. I read a quote somewhere. I can't remember where it came from, but it was like, you know, Alabama was not sharp this year, right? And I feel like there was somebody who was describing the Alabama mentality, and they were saying that kids were showing up at Alabama acting like they had something to do with the previous success. Right. And I think there is a certain after so much success over there, Nick wasn't able to manage maybe the entitlement thing. And you saw it with the so many penalties and everything. I don't have any sympathy for them. They played great against Kansas State. They won the Sugar Bowl. But and you can say, oh, they lost two games the last play of the game. They had four games that went right down to the absolute wire. They won two and they lost two, which is exactly what you should do. And it could go either way. He had, they had four coin flip games. They won two, they lost two. They were 10 and two or 11 and two. Um, they landed where they should have landed. Um, but Kirby's got a different challenge. You know, I think the hunger is going to be back at Alabama next year after, you know, all of the kind of sloppiness and underachieving. I mean, they did, they underachieved. They shouldn't, with the talent level they had, they should not have had four coin flip games like they did they're going to be hungry, um, right. and then we'll see You know what Kirby can do in terms of managing the entitlement creep, as he called it last night.
2: Yeah, I mean, but Alabama – David Pollock saying that's not going to be the reason why Alabama wins the a, wins a national championship. I actually thought Saban didn't really react at all. I just think he was probably half paying attention. You know, like just, okay, whatever. Um, and, you know, Georgia – if I'm a Georgia fan, I don't really care that David Pollack said it because I'd be like, it's it's true. It is true. It is true. true. We are on top of the world right now. We've won two. And if we play Alabama again, I'm not scared. They shouldn't be. So I, it, it makes for an interesting dynamic though, because Alabama has been king of the college football playoff era. And last year's the last year of the four team era. And those two have just crushed it. And it, if they play, like, I don't, I actually don't tire of that. I don't tire of that game because it's, 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 there's the most talent on the field. Those, those are the games I want to watch. I I, I probably, wish they
1: played every year in the regular season.
2: You know. Yeah. And like, I do, I do tire of the, yeah. Like if those, if Jordan, I, I don't, I don't tire of those two being great, but I do tire of the notion that it's bad for college football because I mean, it's on somebody else to stop the SEC, man. They're just—if it, it's not those two, LSU would win it, or ten, maybe Tennessee has a lightning rod season. You just never know. That conferences—it's there's a reason it's the best—is because in these big game sh- situations, they always show up.
1: And one reason why Georgia has kind of made the final leap, I think, is Kirby's on-field coaching game situations. If we remember, you know, we talked about it before. His first season, he struggled a little bit. They lost the teams they probably shouldn't lose to. That hasn't really happened since. Uh, But he is the same guy that I looked it up last night in the SEC championship a few years ago against Alabama. Tie game, fourth quarter, fourth and 11, called for a fake punt that blew up in his face. And he's not making those type of mistakes anymore. And, of course, he made the huge difference against Ohio state with that timeout in the peach bowl that prevented the fake punt. So I think that was a little bit of the final piece of the puzzle, you know, the piling and rec- great recruiting class after great recruiting class is obviously a huge part of it, but I think he's matured as a coach as well.
2: Oh, for sure. And like I say, he's having fun. You know, I think there's this notion I talked to Greg Sankey about that, that there's this notion that he's a, he's not the same as Saban. He's taken Saban's model and put his own personal touch on it. He's a, very fiery guy and excitable. Um I like him because he's a defensive guy in terms of you know, I asked him about that. I was like, do, do you get frustrated that this game is all about offense now? And it, you know, you had these high scoring semifinals. He just said it's it's hard to stop teams right now. It's become a challenge and man, they accepted the challenge. So he's when we do the coach rankings this summer, we're gonna have a discussion about who we're putting number one because that list is. Right now. It's not fifteen year lifetime achievement award, which obviously Nick Saban's it's just strange to me that Nick Saban's the greatest college football coach of all time. And Kirby Smart has a claim to the throne right now. He does.
1: And like we both feel, Nick's team underachieved this year. Based on what we everyone thought they were a unanimous number one. That's why this feels so different, is that Georgia is gonna go into next year. the the preseason number one, almost across the board, a consensus number one. Last year, Georgia won the national championship. They broke the curse. Everything's great, 40 years, all that. But Bryce Young's coming back. Will Anderson's coming back. Alabama's a preseason number one. Immediately, when you started to look to next year, you felt like Alabama was still on top, even though Georgia had its national championship. This feels totally different.
2: Yeah, this feels like somebody's got to beat them now. And and three-peat runs are – they're exciting. Like They don't happen. Yeah. I've only seen three, and if you think about how those three got derailed, Nebraska won two in a row, then they go out to the Sun Devil Stadium the next season and they lose to Arizona State, and Arizona State breaks their streak. A guy I played in high school with was on that team. Amazing atmosphere. Uh USC lost obviously to Texas in the greatest football game ever played and in my lifetime. And then Auburn beats Alabama on the kick six to derail that three three-peats. So, however, Georgia happens,
1: it's going to be memorable.
2: Knows it's going to be one we all remember forever. And I think when you have a season narrative like that, and we touched on the we wrote in that as sporting news the seven questions for the season, it starts with Georgia and Alabama but there are other good things to watch for like Dion and Caleb Williams going for it. He might have the best chance to win two Heisman's um, Michigan, Ohio state's going to be fun because they, I was talking to um, some sec people down there about that. Like they, they were asking me a question. I found this, I'm sorry to get on a tangent, but they were asking me if Ohio state and Michigan are just too worried about each other. And my answer was, I think so. Like they're so worried about that game. And you know, Everything that comes with it, I get it. I get the importance of it. But, I mean, these are two programs that I think they'll be almost unanimous top five, both of them, especially with Michigan getting quorum back.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be big. That's going to be big. So, speaking of, we will be breaking down the two early top 25 on our next show. We were recording tomorrow uh, here at the All-America Podcast. We want to thank all of our listeners. We had some really good listening numbers uh, even after the season ended, the regular season ended. All through December, we're not stopping, even though it's the off season, We will continue uh, with shows. Uh, we're undecided one week, one per week, two per week. We'll see what happens uh, as we go forward. But we're going to do two this week. This was the first one, of course. But we really want to thank everybody for for tuning in. We've enjoyed it very much. We're not going anywhere. Please keep coming on back. We're going to make the off season very interesting. Like I told Bill at the top, we're 36 weeks from week zero. <laughs> Bill needs some sleep before we get to week zero. He's been burning it at both ends since he uh, got on a plane on Friday after a long flight delay. Uh, kicked some butt with his coverage at SportingNews.com. He needs a nap. I need to get out of here. Once again, thank you, everybody, for listening to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. <laughs>